Amen. Good job, Lisa. That was wonderful. If you have your Bible with you, please open to the 27th Psalm. The 27th Psalm. Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We realize, we know here this morning that faith is a necessity to the life of a believer. Faith is foundational to our life, and faith equals confidence. Faith initiates confidence in our life. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Where there is no confidence in life, there is no faith. I had somebody a while back tell me, you know, Case, faith is just tough for me. I struggle with faith. And I thought about that, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that is really not a true statement. We are a people of faith. We put faith in things every single day. Think about it, if you would. Every one of us, just a a simple occasion as going to the doctor. We go to the doctor, and a man walks in the room that many times we have no idea who he is. Maybe it's the first time we have met this man, but he comes in and we tell him our deepest health problems. The man listens and then he takes out a notepad and he writes down a a prescription, a medication in which we cannot even read. We have no idea what is in this medication that he writes down, but we take it, we believe in it, and then we drive to our pharmacist, again, an individual that we have no idea who they are, no idea how smart they are, no idea of their character, no idea if they mean good for us or harm for us, and we give them this slip of paper, they go to the back surrounded by drugs, Drugs, some of it which would kill us, and some of which are good for our bodies. We don't know the difference, and they put some pills into a bottle. We pay for the pills. We take them home. All we do is read the label on the front, take one in the morning, one at night. We take the pill, of which we have no idea how it works. We put it in our body, and we trust the doctor. We trust the pharmacist. We trust the medication providers that this is going to bless our life. You tell me that's not faith. That's a a prime example of faith. We got in our vehicles this morning traveling at a high rate of speed down the loop, when we come to a red light, we have faith that our car is going to come to a stop. We have faith every single day in things that are very unreliable, but my question as we move into Focus 2021 is where is our faith in God? Where is my faith in God, and where is your faith in God? The main idea of Psalm 27 is simply this, my confidence is in God. My confidence is found in God. And I believe this is essential to our life because if we're honest, life is full of ups and downs, isn't it? We know this, we have seen this in the previous year. Life is full of twists and turns. I remember several years ago, Brittany and I were working with the the youth here at the church And we decided to take them to Six Flags for spring break. Caleb was on that trip. Glad Caleb's here with us. So we go to Six Flags, and Brittany and I don't really like roller coasters. We like to stay on the ground, and so we plan on just kind of having a good time. But then peer pressure begins to kick in. 
And all the kids come and they say, Case, let's go ride the Titan. Brittany, let's go ride the Titan. Now, if you've not been to Six Flags, the Titan is huge. It is, at the time, it was the, the highest, the fastest, and the longest roller coaster in Texas. It goes about 250 feet high. If you want to know how high that is, if you go out on a clear day and you look at an airplane in the sky, that's how high the roller coaster is. <laughs> it travels at over 80 miles an hour. If you want to know how fast that is, you watch those rockets go into the moon. That's how fast this roller coaster travels. And so we try to resist, but if I'm honest, I have some pride, and I don't want those kids to think I'm scared because I'm not scared of anything. And so we give in, and we get on that roller coaster, and everything's fine until they snap you in. That little shoulder bar comes across, and at that moment, you cannot get out. You cannot leave. And so I remember very clearly the shoulder strap came down, it snapped, and then I got a lump in my throat. And I quit talking in that moment. And the roller coaster starts, and it starts ascending into the heavens. <clears throat> and you hear that noise. It goes click, 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 click. And the longer the clicks are, the higher you go. Until you begin to come over the crest of that mountain, and then there's a free fall, a drop. And you drop, and you're going so fast, the skin on your face is about to rip off your jaw. And then it goes, and it does loops, and it does spins, and it does twists, and it does turns. And I was thinking about that. That is a picture of life. It's a picture of what we experience. It's a picture of what we go through. We go through wonderful, joyous times that we celebrate, and we say, God, this is so good. And then everything can change, and we can go through the most difficult season our life has ever seen. And just a moment like that, we have highs, we have lows, we have twists, and we have turns, and I'm reminded that life is a journey. Life is a pilgrimage. That's what the Old Testament looks at. It looks at when Abraham left his home, and he's traveling to this land of promise, when the Israelites are wandering for 40 years and they're looking forward to the land that God had promised that they would take one day. That they're living in this already but not yet. I'm looking forward to what's to come. And as Christians, that's where we are. We have experienced the grace of God. We've experienced salvation, but yet we know that something is missing. We look at the world around us and we see troubles and we see trials and we see tribulation and we see pandemics and we see all the problems and we say, where I am is not where I'm headed. I'm a stranger living in a strange land, but I'm headed somewhere that's better. <clears throat> and so as we look at Psalm 27, I believe the point is this, as we travel through the highs and the lows of life, how do we live by faith? How do we live by faith as we travel through the highs and lows of life? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's look together. Verse 1, <clears throat> and I want to point out to you that life's journey requires great confidence. Life's journey requires great confidence. Look at Psalm 27, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Immediately, you will notice there is confidence in God. There's no discussion of the qualities of David. David does not talk about his great leadership attributes. 
He does not talk about his great military record. He does not talk about him being a wonderful musician or about him being a handsome man. All those are true from the Bible, but that's not what he talks about. There is nothing about David, but rather the focus is on the attributes of God. It is the abilities to to stand confidently upon God that sets the faithful apart. Too many of us are self-focused and we're not God-focused. And when we're self-focused, we lack security in our life. When we're focused on ourselves and we're not focused upon God, we run through life scared just like the rest of the world is. I want you to think about this. Where or to whom do you run when everything is falling apart? When you find that you're in one of those low places in life, where do you run? Maybe you run to a spouse. Maybe you run to a parent, a friend, maybe a pastor, somebody that you trust. The problem is that we see all around us that even the most intimate of relationships can fail us. Who here has been betrayed by someone you love? You understand that. If we see this by the divorce rate, we see a man and a woman who stand and they make promises to each other. I will love you forever, for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, and for richer and for poorer. They make these promises before God and before man. It's the most sacred of human relationships on the face of the planet, but far too often, even that relationship does not last. We see around us that relationships are fickle. Why? Because we as people, as human beings, are fickle. And we fail and we mess up. And so the psalmist here says this, God is my stronghold. God is my refuge. God is the one who is constant. God is the one who never changes. God is the one who is unwavering. What what does this mean, stronghold? In the biblical times, this is what it meant. Imagine that you're a soldier in the army of David. And one day you're out, you're looking around, you're on this mission, and you look up to the horizon and you see the enemy is coming upon you. And on their face is anger and violence and hatred. And you are all alone. There's nothing you can do. What is your option? You can stay and you can fight, but if you do, surely you will die. You're in a hopeless situation with no way to fight against it. But during this time, there were fortresses, refuge, strongholds, and they would be behind you. And at a time when you seem hopeless, like there's no way you can be victorious, you would run back for refuge. You would run back to the fortress. You would run behind the lines of the wall. You would climb up into the tower. You would fight from safety and security, and it would change the outcome of the battle. Here's the picture when he says, God is my refuge. Here's what it means. It means when you're at a time in life and you feel like you're just defeated, When you're at a time in your life and everything looks as low as it possibly could. When you're at a time in your life and there's no more hope and there's nothing that you have to offer, Psalm 27 reminds us that we find refuge in God. That he gives us what we need. He provides for us when we can provide nothing for ourselves. That's what it means when he says that he is our stronghold. And as we look back to 2020, many of us have needed a stronghold. 
We've needed something steady, something constant, something unchangeable, because let's be honest, everything around us has changed. In 2020, the world changed like no other time in my life. And so we need a strong refuge. But there's another quality. We've got to move quickly. Another quality, it says he is our light. Now, the focus of Psalm 27 is concerning fear. So what's he talking about when he says he is our light? He's saying that God comes in as the light and the darkness is vanquished. At my house, I've got my three kids. They're so glad I was preaching early this morning that they woke up early to come. Thanks, y'all. But at my house, my kids hate the dark. And so when we put them to bed, we leave the closet light on for the boys, the closet light on for Kaysen, because there's something about the dark that is scary. When the lights go out, the electricity is lost. My kids will run as fast as they can to mama and daddy. They'll jump over coffee tables. They'll run into the wall. They don't care. They've got to get to mama and daddy. Here's what the Bible says here. God is our refuge, but he's also our light. When the light comes in, it shows us what our fears really are. It minimizes our fears because in the darkness, our fears grow and they get larger and they get larger. So what's the point of this, that God's my refuge, my light, and my stronghold? Look back at verse 1 again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Here's the point. When we understand who God is, the qualities of God, the character of God, it gives us confidence to navigate through the difficulties and the highs and the lows of life. He says, because I know who God is, I'm not going to be afraid. When we rely upon ourselves. There's always going to be something to be afraid of. Reminds me of some other verses in the Bible. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your guide. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, fear not. You have nothing to be afraid of. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I have no idea if 2021 is going to be easier or harder than 2020. But regardless of all of that, we have nothing to be afraid of because we know who God is. We're confident in him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what's going to happen? And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. You have nothing to be anxious about, but instead pray. Take those things to the Lord. And what's the result of that? You're going to have a peace that passes all understanding. That means when the rest of the world is going nuts, and they're crazy, and they're stressed out, and they're anxious. As Christians, we can smile. Why? Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Now look at the next few verses. Look at verses 2 and 3. It says, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, 
and my enemies and foes. It is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. There's that word again. In other words, no matter what I'm up against, and his enemies are real. They're tangible. They are strong. It says they want to eat up my flesh. There's this military encampment. All-out war is waging around us. But he says, I will not fear because I am confident in who God is. Do you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of faith. Faith is when the circumstances look tough, but we still believe in the power of God. You think about your Bible, we see it over and over again. Peter walking on the water, that's a picture of faith. It doesn't look good. The, the, the water is deep. Man cannot walk upon the water, but he believes and he walks you think of David and Goliath. There's no physical way that can happen, but David goes out in confidence, not on his own strength and abilities, but on the strength and abilities of God. Daniel with the lions. All of these are examples of faith. So if we're going to navigate through life, number one, it requires confidence. But number two, life's journey requires great intimacy. Great intimacy. Look at verse 4 in the text. Verse 4, it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wonder this morning, what is your top desire? The top desire of your heart. Imagine the genie in the bottle that comes out and says, I'll give you anything that you want in life, what would you ask for? <clears throat> would it be money? Would it be riches? A beautiful home? Fame? Fortune? Health? You know what David says? One thing have I asked of the Lord. This is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I long for from the depths of my heart that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Do, do you catch that? He says, I just want to be with God. That's what I want. I want to be in the temple. That is the manifestation of God. That's where the physical, uh, uh, physical presence of God is located. And so he says, all the days of my life, I want to be in the temple. And when I'm there, this is what I want to do. I want to gaze upon his beauty. There's an obsession with God in this text. There's an obsession that, that's not talking about coming to church on Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday night. It's not talking about rules and rituals. It's not talking about legalism, but rather his delight is upon God. It reminds me of Psalm 1, verse 2. Where it says, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But verse 2, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. Our spiritual life is not a list of do's and don'ts. Obedience and service must come out of a right relationship with God, because if they don't, it turns into legalism. Remember the greatest commandment? A guy asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, it's this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, everything that you are, you should love God. You know what he didn't say? Greatest commandment is that you should be in church every Sunday and Wednesday. He didn't say that. 
He didn't say the greatest commandment is that you should tithe regularly. He didn't say that. He didn't say the greatest commandment is that you should use your spiritual gifts to their full extent. All those things are good. All those things should come from our relationship with God. But the foundation is that we love him, that we delight in him. What does it mean to delight? It means that we take pleasure in God. Here's the most important question you can be asked today. Do you delight in God? Do you honestly delight in God? Do you take pleasure in the things of God? You say, Case, how do I know? It's real easy. This morning, did you come at 8.15 out of obligation or because you wanted to? There's a test. Did you come because you always come, you have to come? If you don't come, somebody's going to call you? Or did you come because you wanted to sing his praises and you wanted to study from his word? What, what's your motivation why do you do the things that you do? Why do you sing? Why do you teach? Why do you read? Why do you study? Why do you serve? Are you delighted in the things of God? Do you find pleasure from your relationship with God? Think about your life. Maybe you have a spouse and you find great pleasure in your spouse. I love my wife. I love being with my wife. My kids, I find great pleasure in my children. love to be with them. That's what it's talking about. Do you delight in God like that? Do you want to be in his presence? The, the psalmist says, I, I, want to, I want to gaze upon you. I want to look upon you. I want to see you. Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the de desires of your heart. When you delight yourself in God, your heart begins to be shaped for him. John Popper said it like this. He says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Think about that. Did you catch it? God is most glorified in case when case is most satisfied in God. God is most satisfied in Davis when Davis is most satisfied in God. When we find our delight and we find our satisfaction in God, then and only then will God be extremely glorified in our life. It says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of man are established by the Lord when? When his delight is in his way. When we delight in God, that's when God directs our path. There's this principle that comes up time and time again that says, love me with all that you are. Delight in me. And when we do that, everything else will fall into place. Delighting in God shapes us. Psalm 63, we're running out of time, but flip over to Psalm 63. Such a beautiful passage, I want you to see it in your Bible. Psalm 63. Listen to what David says. He says, oh God, you are my God. <clears throat> Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, it faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There is yearning in his depths. There's a so deep desperation. God, I must have you. Continue in verse 2. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love, listen, your love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, 
for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Why? My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Do you catch the theme of these verses? God, I love you. I need you. I must have you. I am desperate for you. It goes on and says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Are you thirsting for God? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you desiring to go deeper in your spiritual life? Or could it be that we're satisfied and we're complacent and we're not reaching for more, but we're coasting spiritually? We've seen God do great things. We're excited about that, but we've quit working and we've quit pushing and now we're just coasting spiritually. Moses cries out in Exodus 33, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see your glory. Can our singing, our preaching, our prayers, our books, our blogs, our Facebook posts reflect the fact that we are yearning for God? Nothing compares to the Lord. Everything else is indeed rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of having Jesus. So life's journey requires confidence it requires intimacy, and lastly, I want you to see that it requires maintenance. Look at verse 7. Back to, back to Psalm 27, verse 7. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who had been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my, my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Now, when, when you read that, that little text right there, it almost seems out of place. Up until this point, David has been saying, God, I am confident in you no matter what. God, my greatest delight is in you. But when you get to verse 7, there seems to be a little bit of a struggle that's going on. He, he's calling out, God, would you hear me? Lord, would you listen to me? He says, hear my voice. He says, do not hide your face from me. Do not forsake me. And there's almost in the midst of this great faith, there's still a struggle that's going on. Reminds me of a, a little verse in Mark 9. It says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Isn't that rich? Don't you feel like that at times? Lord, I believe. I've got faith. I know who you are. I know what you can do. I know your power. I know that you are in charge. But I've got some struggles. And I've got some areas that faith is tough right now. Lord, I believe but help the part in me that doesn't believe. Reminds me of the disciples in Mark 4. We're almost done. Mark 4 says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him in the boat. And just as he was, and the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were, the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him. They said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
And he awoke, he rebuked the wind, he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You notice he says, have you still no faith? Here's what he means. You have seen me do some great things. You have seen me heal the sick. You, you see me provide food. You see me provide miracles over and over and over again. But now you find yourself in trouble and you lose faith. That's what a lot of us do. We see God work in the lives of others and we pray. We make hospital visits. We are there for people. We call upon God. But then when we struggle, we wonder, God, are you going to work on my account? God, are you going to really be here for me? And then we cry out and we say, God, do you hear me? God, can you hear my voice? God, please do not hide your face from me. And so I want to remind you there's a struggle with this. Our faith from 2020 does not carry over to 2021. Your faith today does not equate your faith tomorrow. Our spiritual life must be worked out. It must be maintained. We must strive and delight in God every day of our life. Let's close out. Look at verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I found this when I was studying for last week's sermon about waiting upon God. Here's what I want you to notice. He closes optimistic. He says, I believe. I believe that I'm going to see this. I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So what am I going to do? I'm going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to take heart, and I'm going to have courage while I'm waiting. He says, I believe this is going to happen. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about your spiritual life. As we move into 2021, three things we're reminded of today. Number one, life for the believer requires confidence in God. If we're not confident in God, we will not live the victorious Christian life. If you want 2021 to count in a kingdom way, we must be confident upon God. Number two, life requires intimacy. I'm talking about this intimacy that our greatest joy, our greatest pleasure, our greatest desire is found in God. We don't do things out of obligation. We don't sing because we have to. We don't come to church because we need to. But we do these things because we love God. I'm here this morning because I love God. I want to know more. I want to study deeper. I want to sing his praises. Those things are vitally important. And number three, as we navigate through the highs and lows of life, we must tend our faith. We must work at it. Our faith is like that roller coaster. It goes through highs and it goes through lows. And it depends upon the level in which we focus upon God. So are you confident upon God? Are you intimate with God? And are you working out your salvation every day? Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, I pray that these principles will be true of our life. 
Lord, and that in 2021, we will shine brightly for you, God, more so than we ever have in our lives. We love you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.